Thank you for that song, girls. Appreciate that. And thank you for your piano playing and music earlier as well. Appreciate that as well. Nice that God blesses so many different people with different gifts. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer as we continue with our, our sermon today. Father in heaven, pray that your presence would linger with us just a little bit longer. <clears throat> Help us to hear you a little bit longer. Help us to appreciate what we hear from you and uh, continue to let you lead in our lives as you do so well. We pray this in Jesus' generous name. Amen. <clears throat> well, continuing with our series, we started it in the book of Acts as we met the Ephesians. We continued in the book of Ephesians. Now we're continuing. <clears throat> we'll be in the book of 1 Timothy because Timothy... Uh, though he was um, born and raised in Derby, which is kind of south-central, what we consider modern-day Turkey. Uh, Timothy, his mother and his grandmother, they were Jewish. When Paul went on his first missionary trip, he went to their church. He shared Jesus as the Messiah, and they accepted Jesus as their personal Savior and Messiah. On Paul's second journey, he went to their church again, and the church uh, had, had been witnessing Timothy's growth so much. They encouraged Paul they said, you really must take Timothy with you and make him your disciple and make him one of your assistants. And so, so Paul did that. He took Timothy with him, and as he continued his second missionary journey, and he went on to Ephesus and then stayed there for almost three years. And when Paul, by the Spirit, led Paul to continue on to Europe and to Greece, he left Timothy, and Timothy became the pastor of the church there in Ephesus. And as he did so, uh, he was the first pastor there. <clears throat> and then about four years later, Paul writes Timothy, which is the letter we have in 1 Timothy, as, as God continues to lead over the Ephesians in their, their lives. We'll pick up in verse 3 and 4. I urged you when I was going to Macedonia to remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor devote themselves to myths, endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God, that's by faith. The struggle to be dead to self in all its forms is never-ending. The day that struggle ends is the day that you have your own funeral or the day that Jesus shows up in the clouds. It's an ongoing struggle to be empty and dead to self in all of its little unique forms. Some are obviously bad, and most people would admit it, and some look good and are tempting. And just, oh, they seem so churchy and religious, and they just seem so tempting. But all of those things are so challenging. They look different to every person. The first struggle in heaven was the struggle of jealousy. That may not be something you wrestle with, but a perfect, the number one, the leading angel, Lucifer, he sparkled like a star. We think we can sing. Lucifer could sing. You think, wow, man, we've got some good leaders in the world. Lucifer was a leader. And the, the, the first struggle in heaven was from a perfect angel over jealousy. 
The first struggle on earth was over food. Some of you are like, well, you don't wrestle with food. A lot of Americans do. We're having weight issues. You can look at any statistic in America. <clears throat> the first struggle with any human being was a woman, and she was perfect. She was super smart, and she was amazing, and the first human struggle was food. It wasn't even over something un, you know, unclean. It was fruit. The first struggle, or maybe not quite the first struggle, but one of the first struggles for, for a child, Adam and Eve's first son. Oh, if you look in the, in the context there in, in the beginning of Genesis, they were kind of, God had just told them, oh, they made mistakes, and, and, and he killed the animal and talked about his future sacrifice, and he'd save the world, and God acts fast. Amen? And they thought, man, God is real. God acts fast. And, and they had their first child. If you look in Exodus there, it's another topic for another day. They were kind of thinking that their first son was going to be Yahweh. Oh, man, it turned out to be Cain. And he had anger issues. He killed his brother. Moses struggled with anger. Some people struggle with drugs. Some struggle with alcohol. Some sexuality. <coughs> some anger, some, uh, uh, everybody has something different, you know, whether it's jealousy or um, what, what's some normal ones, people, you know, stealing, lying, greed, being judgmental, gambling, the list goes on and on of what different people can struggle with. In, 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 in the book of First Timothy here, I just read the verses, some of the members there, Paul was convinced that they struggled with Doctrine. Doctrine. It's almost 2023, and you, you know, we're probably not accustomed to hearing that a lot in America anymore, the word doctrine. <clears throat> but the Ephesians, they wrestled with some of the doctrine. Paul makes it quite clear here in his first chapter and the rest of the Scriptures as well that there is such a thing as right doctrine and there's such a thing as wrong doctrine. He goes so far in verse 19 to say that actually um, that misunderstanding, I'm interpreting here but paraphrasing, that basically if you, it's possible if you get doctrine wrong, you can lose your faith, as he says in verse 19. You can lose your, your faith. <clears throat> and you might say, wow, that's, man, this, this, that sounds, I don't know. Well, if you remember Acts chapter 5 in the Bible, the book of Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira were church people, went to church on Saturday. I'm sure they paid tithes and offerings. I'm sure they read their Bible. <laughs> they, they thought, by the context, it's very clear, they thought Jesus was the Messiah. <clears throat> but then from the context in Acts chapter 5, it's clear that they were of the thinking that they had some property, they wanted to sell it, they were going to give it to the church to, to help fund ministry for Jesus. Amen? They were going to give it all. But then it just so happened for them, maybe you don't struggle with tithes and offerings, but with them, they weren't just happy with 10% tithe and some offerings. They, they were like, hey, we are really into this Jesus guy. We're going to sell the property. We're giving it all to Jesus. God doesn't even ask that. But they were struggling with, with coveting and lying. They were struggling with coveting and lying. And if you read Acts chapter 5, you know what happened? 
because they were struggling with those doctrines, they died. If you read uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, <laughs> Paul himself admits, he confesses as he's writing, that he used to wrestle with Jesus. He used to struggle against Jesus. I mean, man, how many church people are honest about that? He, he struggled against Jesus, and it made him blaspheme. It made him persecute people. Well, it's a big deal. It caused Stephen to die. It caused Stephen to die. Those are doctrines. Coveting, lying, killing, those are doctrines. It caused people to die. <clears throat> As you look through history, the, his first remnant, <clears throat> God's first remnant, the Jewish nation, they wrestled against prophecy. They wrestled against prophecy. <clears throat> they thought, well, that's what you say, but, but I'd like to think, which is always a tough way to go when you, when you say, well, I like to think. <laughs> you typically want to line up with what God thinks, but humans, we, we can do this. Well, I'd like to think. God's like, no, 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 no. I'm telling you ahead of time in 70 A.D. I know it's hard to believe, but in 70 A.D., Rome's going to come in here. The leader is going to be Emperor Titus, and he's going to come in here. And if you don't listen, you're going to die. Well, we, we, we don't see it that way. It's a, it's a, how, how do we say it in America today? We'll agree to disagree. It's a popular saying. I have a different opinion on that doctrine. And when Titus rolled into Israel, they killed over, is about 1.2 million people because they, they wanted to interpret it their way. So about 1.2 million people died because it was just a, you know, how do we put it these days in church? It was a doctrinal disagreement. We can disagree on doctrine. It's, it doesn't have a really big effect on our lives, but remind a, a million and 1.2 million people about that. They can't come back to life because they got that doctrine wrong. <clears throat> In Ephesians 2, Paul is writing 1 Timothy about three, four years after the book of Ephesians. <laughs> but in Ephesians, he was writing to the same audience. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, I've got a paraphrase on the screen here. Uh, uh, Ephesians 2, paraphrasing like the first, uh, Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 11. Uh, no, it, in no way, shape, or form is the Bible, especially Paul saying, that anyone is saved by their works. We're never, ever, ever saved by our works, our wisdom, doctrine, behavior. It, it, it does not save us. What Paul's saying is that our choices, our choices, including our opinion of doctrine, they can build up our faith, our saving faith in Jesus, or it can tear it down. Do work save us? Never. But our choices are building up that faith or gradually tearing it down. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 and 19, Paul writes, I charge, uh, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child by faith, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you would wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. 
Some have shipwrecked their faith. <laughs> in America, uh, many Christian denominations over the last 40 years or so, many Christian denominations in America, they have gone to great lengths to distance themselves from the very word doctrine. And, and it, being in my job, being a pastor, I go to other meetings where there's other pastors of various other denominations, many, many of them. Some seminars I go to, there's six, 7,000 people in one building, all kinds of denominations, uh, and even sometimes from many other countries. And there's this, there's this saying that, that basically, um, which is one of the reasons that kind of feeds this trend ever since the 80s to have non-denominational churches. Well, where do you go? Oh, it's a non-denominational church. It's trying to distance themselves from doctrine. And, and you've probably heard this. This isn't new. You've probably heard this and seen the advertising. Some churches say it to promote a reason why you should join their church is because they don't promote the doctrines. And they, and they, they literally say, hey, we don't get into all the doctrines here. Now, I'm not saying that to hurt people's feelings. I've got wonderful friends in other denominations. My parents were raised Lutheran. They really like Jesus. I'm not saying to put them down. They say it publicly and proudly. Um, I'm not trying to offend them in any way, shape, or form. The reason I'm bringing this up is for you who are sitting here now maybe feeling a little uncomfortable because nobody wants to talk about doctrines these days. And for those who would be watching on camera. According to the Bible, doctrines are important according to the Bible. For example, and it's not new. This isn't anything new. I just gave you examples in Acts 5 about a couple of doctrines. And they're like, well, the Bible says, thou, you know, don't lie, don't covet. But Ananias and Sapphira are like, well, you know. And they, they died. Paul, you, I mean, he was, man, was he a church leader. Woo, he was the future for Judaism. Best teacher, best schools. Man, he's on the fast track to the top. Religious, conservative, Sabbath, tithing. Man, he was impressive. But he was struggling against Jesus. Is that really that a big deal, to struggle against Jesus? It caused Stephen to die because he struggled against a doctrine. October 31 October 31, 1517, <laughs> there's a Catholic that most of the world has heard of uh, by the name of Martin Luther. He was a monk, he was a priest, and he was a university professor. He was a Catholic. Again, not trying to offend anybody. Everybody in the world knows this. Atheists know he was a Catholic. <clears throat> he, he, he nailed this, his 95 thesis, which is basically a long paper with 95 opinions on how his own church, his own denomination, his own Catholic church, which he was a leader in. He wanted his own church. He nailed it to the, to the church door of the Wittenberg. It was basically, for whatever reason, that was the bulletin board in town. It wasn't trying to be scandalous. It was just, that was kind of their bulletin board in town, was the church front door. And, and he was a Catholic himself. He wanted his own church to be better. Just like I'm an Adventist and I want our own denomination to be better because we can be better. If we think this is as good as it gets, man, that's depressing. What's wrong with God if we think this is as good as our denomination gets? How depressing. 
And he was the same. He's like, man, he loved God and he loved Catholicism and he wanted to just make it better. So he put that on the door in Latin so the leaders could see it because he's wanting to help the leaders make changes, not cause a stir with all the church members. And so the 95 Thesis was just a paper on 95 different opinions and how at least 95 different things their own church should actually try to follow the Bible doctrines. And of the many of them, the chief one that most people think today is that, hey, how about we follow that and promote and admit and realize the Bible teaches you're saved by Jesus alone through faith. Amen? That's a doctrine. Saved by Jesus alone by faith. That's a doctrine. It's a doctrine. It's the number one doctrine basically that all Christianity is, is based on. And we're like, why don't we probably doctrines, I don't know. It's a doctrine. Saved by Jesus alone is a doctrine. And some of the people then who had the, the courage to say, well, that is what the Bible teaches after all. Some of them will be in heaven because they accepted what the Bible teaches in a doctrine. And life is complicated because of what people chose. Some of them die. Some of them died because of their opinion on a doctrine. They just died. <coughs> Tuesday, three, four, five days ago, Tuesday, I was at the local school, the Avenue School here in the area where some of our kids go to school, and I, I took my kids to school, and uh, I was looking at my news feed on my phone, you know, my smartphone, I was looking at some, on, some, on some national, maybe international news, and I'd read on my news feed that the United Methodist Church, this is just Tuesday, the United Methodist Church in just this year, in just 2022, they will lose over 1,300 churches, not church members, over 1,300 churches in just this calendar year. When their church started years ago, it started by two brothers, John and Charles Wesley, brothers, sincere Christians. They, they were evangelizing America, I think, if I remember right. They even went over to Europe, and they're just trying to turn people to God and the Bible and because they were really, because of their really um, strict way of, of repentance and prayer and, and Bible study and, and, and Jesus and, and the stuff that they did, they did it in such a, um, a unique, a strong method. They called their denomination the Methodist Church because of the method they followed. I mean, they were serious about helping people. And in my personal opinion, there'll be people in heaven. Because, because of those guys and other Methodist people sharing Jesus, because that's what saves people, amen, is Jesus alone. There will be people in heaven because of that. Many of, many of our church leaders came from their denomination. Love her or hate her, the most known leader in this denomination is a woman, Ellen White. She was a Methodist. Many Methodists were in their church and came to ours back in the 1800s. Some of them really like Jesus. Our denomination still follows the blueprint that they had as far as forming and organizing the denomination around conferences, unions, and divisions. We got it from them. 
Most people you know, as far as I know from history, Baptists and us and Methodists and a lot of churches today, you know, they have that, the, 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 I say this kind of funny and loosely, the, the remnant who still come out midweek to a Bible study is getting to be a really small remnant. But those who actually do that, that idea started from them. It was a Methodist idea. They say, hey, let's get together during the week and have a prayer meeting. It was their idea. And Baptists are like, hey, let's do it. And so they do it. And in our denomination, there's little pockets here and there that still haven't quit, and they do it. We got it from them. They had lots of nice ideas. Now this year, in 2022, they're losing 1,300 churches because they can't get along on two doctrines. Two doctrines. <laughs> it's making them close all their churches. You, you guys know, some of you with your kids, your spouses, you know how hard it is to get church to work and for anybody to show up. Oh, man, but oh, we quit so easy. To give you a reference... 1,300 churches closing in one year, that'd be like, in, as a reference in Adventism, that'd be like closing over around 20 to 21% of every Adventist church in America and Canada in a year. In a year. And some of their churches have more members than we do. So church-wise percentage is the same, but attendance-wise it would probably even much higher. In a year. And And... And, and the division is coming over two doctrines. The priesthood of all believers, some of them are, are, are wrestling against the girls, and they have issues with that, so that's causing them to have issues. And the other issue is, which is getting really, really uh, big these days, which our denomination will have to continue to have more clarity on, because we're also not very clear about what to do with the girls, unfortunately. That's unfortunate when Genesis says, women are made in the image of God. Um, but that's another message for another day. When our main human leader is a girl, it just I just don't get how we're still so confused about utilizing women. But so anyways, their denomination wrestled with it and lost. Uh, their wrestle with what to do with the priesthood of all believers. And the other thing they wrestle with is, is um, God's p biblical plan for sexuality. And because of those two things, just this year... They closed 1,300 churches. They're doctrines. They're doctrines. And they're, and they're losing all of that over doctrines. It makes me sad for their church and for Christianity. There should be a place for Methodists in this world because balanced biblical Methodists are sharing Jesus by faith. I'm not sharing it to put the Methodists down. It, 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 to me, it's not good. Verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Paul urged Timothy when, he was, when Paul was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain people not to teach a different doctrine. Apparently, it's possible. He was writing to the church. He's not writing to all the other people in Ephesus worshiping other gods. He's writing to people in his own church that he started. Oh, there's going to be temptations to come up with some other interpretation. No, no, no. Don't come up with something else. Don't complicate it. 
Don't be devoted to other doctrine, to myths, to endless genealogies. You know, well, I'm a fifth generation Jew or I'm a fourth generation Adventist. It's like, and? Does it matter if you're, I mean, great for your grandparents, but how does that affect you if your great-great-grandparents were Adventist? Does that save you? They were into speculation rather than stewardship from God. That's by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. For certain people, by swerving from these things, have wandered away. I would love to go to heaven. How about you? It's a doctrine. You should have an opinion on it. Going to heaven is a doctrine. Going to heaven is a doctrine. How many of you want to avoid going to hell? I do. Hell is a doctrine. We, we should have an opinion on it. <coughs> stealing. Do you have an opinion on stealing? Almost every country I know does. Even moral atheists, even moral atheists some of the cops are atheists. If you steal, they still think it's bad. We're kind of losing that in America, from what I hear. I mean, There's certain things you can get away with, and it's just like, well, it's America. But stealing is wrong. Even moral atheists believe that. It's in the commandments. That's a doctrine. According to Jesus um, or in the scriptures, accepting Christ into your life by faith, accepting Jesus into your life by faith, so we are genuinely saved by God's generosity is a doctrine. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, whoever believes will not perish, you'll have eternal life. Accepting Jesus into your life by faith alone so we're genuinely saved by God's generosity is a doctrine. The only way we'll ever get to heaven is liking that doctrine and not fighting against it, saying, man, I believe in that doctrine. God wants us to live simple lives based on love and faith and balance and sincere consciences that are rooted in Christ. No one will ever be saved by their own works or behavior or their opinion on a doctrine. Paul teaches this himself. But what Paul is trying to communicate here, he's saying that, that our choices either build up our saving faith in Jesus or our choices, even uh, yes, about doctrine, can tear it down. Because our choices, even about doctrine, our choices inform our own brain of what we think about God. <laughs> Hell? Does it burn a little bit? Or does it burn a long time? Your opinion of that doctrine affects your, not your grandparents, not your neighbor, not the person you work with or go to school with. Your opinion of that doctrine called hell affects your opinion of God. 
Oh, he's going to burn them a long time. How does that make you think about God? That he's going to keep burning. You only lived for 70 years and you were a stinker. But he's going to burn you for 7 trillion years. And then 7 trillion more. How does that make you feel about God? Your opinion about doctrine affects you and how you think about God. That affects your faith. I'd like to live forever. That's not the question. The question is, do you want to be around God in heaven forever? And if you don't like God, heaven's not for you because God's going to finally pull away the curtain and God's everywhere. And if you don't like Him, He will not force you to be with Him. And if your opinion of a doctrine like hell, if your opinion on that doctrine is, man, I don't know, I don't, get, I don't know about that God It's affecting your saving faith, whether you think he can save you or you want him to save you or it it, kind of weakens your faith. Salvation, it's a doctrine. Is is, Is salvation a gift or do you have to work for it? It's a doctrine that'll affect your eternal life. You should have an opinion on salvation. (laughs) If you think it's a gift, if you think it's a work, that's going to affect your opinion of God and your life and your struggles. Forgiveness. Is forgiveness free or do you have to earn it? You have to beg for it. You know what Adam and Eve would have said if, if, if they, you know, the Saturday before they sinned, Adam and Eve, they were smart, they were perfect. Adam and Eve would have, oh, it's a gift. God's so good. And then they had a bad, say, Tuesday and they'd sinned. They had some problems with food and they'd sinned, you know what the first thing these perfect, amazing people did? They hid behind a bush. Well, I thought you said uh, forgiveness is free and easy and just flowing. Hiding behind a bush is not free, free forgiveness based on faith. Now, I know as wonderful church people, and it's Saturday, and if we, if we took a little survey, we, well, forgiveness is free. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you get in your car and it's Tuesday and you, oh, no, and you did it again, that is your test to see what you really think about forgiveness. Of course, we can fill in the blank. Ah, oh, forgiveness is, it's a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next time you do that foolish thing for the 89th time in a week, ask yourself then, do you feel like it's a gift or are you having to beg God? Oh, Lord, I've got to beg you. I did it again. That doctrine will affect your life because as human beings, we make mistakes. And when you make your next mistake, if you don't have the Bible, Christ-centered uh, uh, doctrinal understanding that will affect your life. Stressed out people don't live as long. If you don't have the correct biblical understanding of the doctrine of forgiveness, you'll be stressed out. You won't live as long. Americans were chasing the money. Hey, newsflash, but if you're stressed out not having understanding of correct doctrine, you won't get to live as long to even spend your American money. Ha! Satan doesn't tell you that part. Doctrine makes a difference. You need to have biblical doctrines. You need to have the right biblical understanding of them. My mother <laughs> raised uh, in Montana, 
Her parents were Lutheran. She was raised Lutheran. She didn't become an Adventist until she was in her late 20s. And, and as a Lutheran family, her parents raised her to, with, with certain, like we all do, um, we all have opinions, and her parents raised her with this opinion on certain doctrines as, as good Lutherans in their opinion. Because of certain opinions they had about Bible doctrines, they wouldn't let my mom, their daughter, play in the neighborhood with Catholic kids. I mean, they're Catholics and we're Lutherans. I mean, man, <laughs> they wouldn't let her play with Catholic kids. Why? Because of whether I agree or you agree, because of certain opinions about doctrine. Your opinions about doctrine affects your life. Verse 8, <laughs> Paul writes in verse 8, Now we know that the law is good. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. The law is good if you use it lawfully. Your opinion, your opinion of doctrine affects your relationship with God. Your opinion with doctrine affects your relationship with people. Your opinion about doctrine even affects your income especially this group. Well, how can you say that? Because the law and the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath, the Bible says, to paraphrase the Fourth Commandment, don't work and don't do stuff that makes other people work. Is the law good? I know people, maybe you do too. I know people in this world, in my denomination, we'll, I've mentioned others, we'll step on our own toes, or I'll step on our own toes now. I know people in my own denomination that don't agree with this verse based on their choices in their life. They, they're not sure that they're convinced the law is actually good. They think it's negative and restrictive. And so when they want to go get a coffee on Saturday and make someone else pay, they'll just do it. Apparently, they disagree with the Bible doctrine. And that's okay because they're fill in the blank. Above it, apparently. The Bible is that, well, on Saturday you're not supposed to work or do things that make other people work. Do we work on Saturday? Are we lining up with the Bible doctrine? If you do, that affects your pay, which affects your life in a big way. How can we say, well, doctrines don't affect me? It affects your pay. Before as a pastor, I used to work in retail for a while. The best day to make retail is Saturday. That affected my pay, my opinion on the doctrines. Tithes and offerings, that's a doctrine. God says, hey, I've given you everything. Can you at least give 10% tithe back and a little offering? It's all mine, but I'll let you have 85-ish percent of it. Can you give some back? It's a doctrine. You name the church, you name the denomination in the world, at best 30% pay because 70-ish percent say, well, I have a different opinion on God's doctrine. Well, hopefully you at least line up with God's doctrine on salvation, that we don't struggle with everything in life, or you won't be going to heaven. 
We're not saved by our behavior. But you are kidding yourself if you think your choices don't affect your faith. It all happens in the same brain. Yes, Jesus saves, and it's only through faith. But your choices are affecting your faith in what you think about Jesus. <clears throat> and not only do we unfortunately probably know some people who, who thinks the Sabbath is too restrictive, and, I've, well, I've got a different take on that. Unfortunately, we also probably know people who are in the other extreme in our denomination. Who the, we don't word it this way. We don't word it this way. We're saved by only by God's grace. But, you know, but then basically you make it sound like, well, the law and the Sabbath saves you. <clears throat> Both are unhealthy. Both are wrong. The law and our obedience to it isn't saving us or making us lost. But people that are saved by faith in Jesus alone don't fight him when God wants to introduce things into our life because we're dead, as Paul also wrote in the Scriptures. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And since I am crucified and Christ is living in me, Places like Luke 4, 16, since God went to church on Saturday, if he's living in me, I guess I do too. If Jesus did appropriate things on the Sabbath, I guess I will too because he's in me. And I'm not saving myself because I'm dead. Christ is in me. But if Christ is in me, Christ doesn't wrestle against the Holy Spirit. Christ doesn't wrestle against the doctrines. They don't save people but you don't need to fight against it. Your opinion about doctrine affects your, relation, your saving relationship with Jesus. Your opinion about doctrine affects your relationship with the people around you. Your opinion about doctrines even affects your job and your income. No one will ever be saved by their own works or behavior, opinions, or a doctrine. What Paul is saying is that our choices, even about doctrine, our choices either build up our saving faith in God or can potentially tear it down. As he says in verse 19, it can cause your faith to be shipwrecked. So make sure that you continue to hold on to Bible-based doctrines so that your faith in God is strong. Verse 5 and 6 in closing. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. For certain people, having swerved away from these, have wandered away. My encouragement to you is to continue to make sure that you're one of those people that continue to hang on to Jesus. As you hang on to Jesus by faith and grace alone, not wrestling against him and his doctrine, but following by faith. So our saving faith is strong. 